0: It's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 245 of the NFL Scotland teams podcast. This is Stromash. We're going to talk London. We're going to talk about the remaining undefeated teams being undefeated no longer. Flag football to the Olympics, and we are going to get out. Well, we've got to be careful because Jamie's here. We're going to get out the cutlery. The NFL Scotland fork is coming out, and we're going to stick it into a few teams. The NFL Scotland knife is safely in its sheath, so Jamie Borthick can't do his hands any damage. I am joined on this one by the aforementioned Jamie Borthick, Ian Stephen and Gordon McGuinness. And because he's been away stalking the Scottish rugby team for several weeks and he's back, let's give the opening words to Jamie Borthwick. Jamie, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm absolutely great. I'm delighted to be back on. I'm going to be absolutely useless for analysis because I've basically been thinking of nothing but rugby and French food and chopping open my finger for the last month. Uh, I've been back at work for two days. I I, I can't remember any of the managers and the premiership's names, I was quite lucky to remember where I lived, to be honest. So, uh, But I've, I've been able to work my phone and come on here and, uh, and join you lovely gentlemen tonight.
1: Well, it's, it's great to have you. So you've had very little to do with the sport of NFL, so you're out in solidarity with your team, the New York Giants, who've had very little to do with American football over the last few weeks as well.
3: Oh, oh, oh Mitchell, straight <laughs> in there with the puns! <laughs>
1: What can I say? That is the voice of Ian Stephen. Ian, did you enjoy week six?
3: Did it Uh, tickle your fancy? The problem I had was I spent all of my time wondering if health and safety at STV have now given Jamie a pair of children's safety scissors because he can't (laughs) be trusted with conventional sharp implements. (laughs) <laughs> so,
1: so if you missed that earlier podcast Jamie sliced his finger open while opening a baguette while in France and to answer your question Ian no, uh, Jamie's not trusted with those they go to the cameraman who carries them for Jamie <laughs> the third member of our team who's with us tonight is Gordon McGuinness and Gordon I want to start by asking you you were part of the media the cool media pack at Tottenham on Sunday where your Ravens took on the Titans how was your day? Good. The whole weekend was brilliant, but the day itself,
0: Spurs Stadium is class. Like the the media part was like an airport lounge minus the alcohol, which, you know, a bit of a shame. But um, the rest of the weekend had plenty of that. So I more than made up uh, for it. But the view, view from the pitch was good. Like a lot of American press boxes, I think you're kind of enclosed behind glass. Like you're not there. So the atmosphere, you got to hear it all. Um, but it's just a really good stadium for American football. Like the way the the way the stands go up so steeply just kind of keeps the noise in and all that stuff. Like there there's surely no way when the current contract ends that they carry on playing at Wembley. I think Everton will be taught them.
3: Yeah, my, my mate's a Spurs season ticket holder and I, I messaged him when I was watching the game to say, is the new Spurs stadium better than White Hart Lane for atmosphere? And his reply was, yes, this season because we're winning. But <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been to um, White Hart Lane, thought the atmosphere was pretty good there because it was kind of old school uh, everybody was on top of each other, so uh, it's good to see because maybe the, some of the complaints you'd have now with the super stadiums in America, like the Cowboy Stadium, the stadium in LA, is they're just too big and cathedral-like. You want a, a small, packed-in uh, kind of local church, don't you, Paul? You get better atmospheres in local churches rather than <laughs> cathedrals. Um, you, and, uh, this It's a criticism of Wembley. It's, it's too big. It's it it feels kind of instead of a roar, you feel like a kind of whisper, a wind of whispers, kind of go past you when something happens.
1: I I still think the, the issue they've got is where it is. It's you know thirty minute walk from the tube station. So you know, uh,
0: I, I I I honestly don't didn't mind it. So we so I stayed at the Premier Inn Tottenham Hill, and when I told everyone that's where I was staying, the first thing I was told was. Tottenham's a shithole, why are you staying there? But it was a two-minute walk from the tube station there, which was great for the rest of the weekend. It was great for getting to the game on game day, because again 30-minute walk, and at the end of the game, we, we hung around in the media bit for maybe 30 minutes to try and let the crowd dissipate a bit, but it didn't. So we then just walked back to Tottenham Hill again, and by the time we got there we queued for maybe 10 minutes, and then we're back in London really quick. I I found it easier getting to and from there into central London than I found Wembley. Like I, I well, mean I'm going i I'm going back like ten to twelve years for Wembley admittedly.
1: No, I mean my experience Wembley much easier, much smoother. I we left we were an hour afterwards here in hospitality. Uh, I walked down to Seven Sisters uh tube station and they were kettling people in. I reckon the queue by even an hour plus after kick off was at least half a mile long. However I,
0: Thoroughly I, recommend walking to Tottenham Hill next time.
1: Right. Well, what I did was uh, because I'd gone there in the morning and come out a different uh, exit, I did a neatly arranged end around, ignored all the kettling, ignored the half mile queue, uh, walked an extra. Three minutes round to the side entrance and got in and got right down and away straight well, away. So, the best, uh, best uh, end around uh, of the weekend came from me. So,
2: I've, I can two, hear, I've got two Stephen questions. Wrestling to...
1: at a neatly arranged
2: end around here.
3: Well, I've got two questions. for that number one is when they're kettling football fans and the football fans are jovial and entering into one of their various chants, does that make it a singing kettle? <laughs> Um, that is a joke for anybody who had children from the nineteen nineties, and also Jamie hey, who was a child in the nineteen nineties. <laughs> Jamie, do you think any of the stadiums you attended in France would make excellent NFL venues?
2: Uh, yes, I think that Marseille would make a phenomenal um, venue for the NFL. I'm not sure about this that the fans as incredible a stadium as it is I feel it's it's not very steep and it's got the running track sort of runoff part I'm not sure how good that would be um real possibly as well but I when when I hear Gordon saying about the the lack of um alcohol in the uh, in the airport style uh, media place what they really need to do is take a game to Italy because I've never Seen so much bevy in a media area than uh, every time I've worked in Italy, and all the local journalists just get fired in from the moment they arrive as well. <laughs> Honestly, the, the standard of match reports must be astonishing in the uh, in the Gazetta.
0: Do we do we need to be concerned that this podcast is going to get cancelled now that we know that Paul has skipped the queue a little bit? Like it's a little bit like Holly Willoughby and um, well, probably shouldn't name. Probably shouldn't I was going to say gentle, gentle, there, gentle. Uh,
1: I mean, I did nothing wrong. I just went to a different entrance and got straight in. That, that, that was that was their excuse as well. If they did nothing wrong. They were
0: they had media passes. So they were allowed to skip the
1: queue. I didn't need a media pass to get in the different entrance
3: of the Seven Sisters station. Anyway, let's talk about the game. Paul, that, Paul that we out, of everyone, out of everyone in this podcast, the one person most likely to have shouted at a, a person in a position of authority, don't you know who I am, is clearly going to be you. You must have done it at least <laughs> once in your life. I thought you were
1: going to say Cameron Hobbs there, and I was about to agree with you. But... Well, people
3: know who you are. People know, the only <laughs> people who know Cameron are his defence solicitor and possibly kind of members of the judiciary with good memories.
1: Anyway, moving swiftly on, because that's what we do. Uh, Thank you for all your Belter and Bobag, etc. nominations. We're not able to use them tonight due to technical problems. Uh, However, uh, we've not ignored you completely, and we will be putting you in for the prize to win the bottle of whiskey as sponsored by our friends and partners at Loch Lomond Scotch Whiskey. So we're going to do a slightly different uh, podcast. So I am going to ask Gordon to answer the question I was trying to pose before I was so rudely interrupted. Did you enjoy the game, the Ravens-Titans? Was it a good game? Did you think the crowd appreciated it?
0: crowd seemed to enjoy it. I I thought it was good enough. Um, the Ravens probably did everyone a favour in keeping it closer than it should have been with penalties. Um, some, of, some of which were definitely warranted. Maybe two or three were a bit silly. Um, but... They they deserve to win the game. Um, I I just enjoyed getting to see because I'd never seen Lamar Jackson play in person and he's faster and quicker than you even think on TV. So I had a, a thoroughly good time.
3: There was actually a tweet, I don't know if you saw it, but there's a, a tweet from uh, Ronnie Stanley, the uh, offensive lineman for the uh, Ravens and saying it was a real treat for me because I've never got to see Gordon McGuinness rate me in person. he quite like yes. that. It's good. You Sorry, that was, I'm really going to make sure I pronounce that word correctly. Rate with a T. <laughs> uh, no complaints coming in, please. Wonder,
1: wonderful diction as always, Ian. We, we purely rely on you. That was the Ravens 24-16. Commanders knocked off the Falcons. The Vikings beat the Bears. The Seahawks lost to the Bengals. Ian, are the Bengals on their way back? <sighs>
3: It's kind of a question of, is the leg of Joe Burrow on the way back effectively? How how bad was his injury when they revealed it? I'm still not convinced it was as trivial as he said it was with a calf injury. I think there was something else there. I think, I think it might have been Achilles related and they've tried to keep it quiet because it would induce panic. Um the, the, the Bengals are a very good team, and I think Gordon, out of all of us, must be looking slightly anxiously at any possibility of a resurgent Bengals because I think of uh, there's like three quarterbacks in the league who maybe have got the magic to inspire the rest of their teammates Mahomes, Allen, and Joe Burrow, and they can drag everybody else along. And once they get start kind of back on that groove again, get into rhythm, then uh, the Ravens would have. Certainly one eye cast over their shoulder and, and the Browns as well, because the, the Browns are proven to be a, a, a difficult team in that division as well. Yeah. The frustrating thing with the Ravens is like they should be six and
0: They should have won the games against the Colts and the Steelers. They're two games that like based on how they played, apart from like self inflicted wounds, they would have won those games. And realistically, if they were six and in the AFC North at this point in time, they'd have a three game lead. Or two and a half over the Steelers, but a, a, um, a pretty much a three-game lead over everyone in the division. the The Bengals are the Bengals' back question. You can answer on the seventh of November because they have a bye week this week. They then go to San Francisco. Go to San Francisco? No, I think they host San Francisco and then go to Buffalo um, before they uh, play the Texans, the Ravens, the Steelers. Like they, their end of season run in isn't too bad. But they could put themselves in a in a position whereby they're three and five if they lose both those games upcoming, um. And at that point, you don't leave a ton of margin for error. You can probably afford to lose two more, so that'll be the tough thing for them.
1: We've lost our two undefeated teams: San Francisco and the Philadelphia Eagles. Forty Nine ers going down to the Browns, and the Eagles, perhaps surprisingly, going down to the Jets, both within a score. And Jamie, I mean, when we talk about the Forty Nine ers going down, at the, Bottom line is they missed a 41-yard field goal, which would have won them the game. Sometimes you hit them, sometimes you don't. Yeah,
2: I mean, they've looked pretty ominous and it's so difficult to go um, unbeaten in this sport. Um, I don't think it's much to read too much into, as you say, fine margins and, um, if anything, they look better this year than they did last Um I can say that without Cameron on here, right? Um, it's not going to lead <laughs> on to. It's not going to lead on to a thirty-minute segue from him as he
1: goes through every single position. <laughs> Gordon, were you surprised that the Jets took down the Eagles? Very. Um,
0: the, the the Jets, the Jets have been, uh, sprightly Is that a word we could use to describe them? They've kind of they've been like a kind of feisty little team that have have tried to you know do some damage and keep things interesting and they've probably done a far better job than anyone expected to be sitting there at 3-3 three and three just now and have the potential of Aaron Rodgers coming back in the future this season is a is a pretty good place to be for them but it's not a game the Eagles should have been losing um, the Eagles should have had too much strength up front I think to, to lose that.
3: well the Eagles and the 49ers Losses were kind of mirror images of each other because both the Eagles and the 49ers suffered a a fair amount of injuries, both before and then during the game. The Eagles had maybe one starter left in the secondary. They lost the entirety of the right side of their offensive line. The 49ers had Trent Williams out, they had McCaffrey out, Debo Samuel went out. And they were playing against quarterbacks who you would assume shouldn't be winning the game, but they did enough to get enough points on the board for the defense to hold out. The Jets have got one of the most effective pass rushers in the, the NFL, and, and Michael Huff. They've got maybe the best defensive tackle in the NFL, and Quinn Williams, who came back from injury, to play against the Eagles. So, on paper, maybe you'd think it shouldn't have been a game the Eagles lost, but when you actually kind of delved into it, it, it was a, a game where there should have been a lot of worry there. The Eagles play against the Dolphins this week, who are maybe the explosive, most explosive offence in the NFL with kind of a secondary that have only get one leg to shake between them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention that to you. I mean, the Browns won by scoring 19 points, the Jets won by scoring 20. It's not like either of these teams got blown out or anything like that. You do get games like this along the way.
3: As you always say, Paul, the only the only entity on earth that's infallible is his holy eminence. No NFL team is infallible and it's proved yet again you can fall at any point and good teams are the teams that beat themselves least often. Um, and if you looked at the Giants game, maybe teams that get a wee bit of help from the officials now and again. I don't know if Jamie's waiting patiently for his uh, rant on a plane we'll play, play that game but as somebody who has distaste for the Giants as a division rival I was infuriated in Jamie's behalf by just how poor the officiating was in that game uh,
2: yes I on first viewing I was more infuriated by the play call I thought going uh, throwing it down the guts for Waller rather than trying to take him out and fade was a was a weird decision but then when you look at the replay it's 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 more pi than the original call that took them up there was so um yeah like the giants are in a place where anything that can go against them is gonna go against them and it's uh, that almost kind of like trying to be at peace with that that's more injuries on the o-line just this week Uh, we're signing guys off of sofas here there and everywhere um and it just all it all seems to come in a cascade doesn't it um official calls players not playing well injuries all over the place um Yeah, what a laugh.
3: Listen, the sneaky player of the week could be Justin Pugh because they they brought him off the street and said, you're going to play right guard. And Justin Pugh's like, right, okay, great guard. I can do that. I've done that. And then just as he's about to go in the game, they go, hold on a minute. We actually need you to play left tackle. So he has to run out and play (laughs) left tackle instead, which is like one of the hardest positions in football. And he did a good job from coming straight off the street to going right in at left tackle uh, in a prime time football game loved
0: the loved the player introduction as well Justin peacefully straight, straight off the couch
2: <laughs> Pierre is a, a, a great character he's got he's got really good um football iq would probably be the the way of putting it um so once he kind of had a few plays where he was like oh, rusty rusty he has just got the head on his shoulders to be able to go in and 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 just Trust job. the guy
3: from trust the guy from STV to do a Glenn Michael impression, oh Rusty, Rusty. <laughs> Get on there's with people, it. There's people listening to this podcast going, "I have no idea what they're talking about." I was <laughs> people... born in like 2004. There's people on this podcast who are thinking, "I've got no
0: idea what's been talked about."
2: You must, we'll do, you must know who your... Glenn Michael is. Glenn we'll Michael list your nineties children's TV references on the Twitter account later this week.
3: We kinda <laughs>
1: Yeah, l- l- lovely reference to the dog Paladin. Of course, get on with it, Gordon. We need to, we need to sort of get you more aware of this. Uh, <laughs> but, but for now, Gordon, I'm going to save this. You, this is your chance to have a pop at the New Orleans Saints. I said that it was going to be a big week for the Saints going into the Texans. Um, it was the chance for them to turn things around and show us what they're made of. I think they might have shown us what they're made of. Texans over the Saints, twenty to thirteen.
0: I. The the thing I am taken with every time I watch Derek Carr play football is that every game is basically the same. In that crunch time where he needs to make a play, he can't find open receivers. That one of my favorite ones was a couple of years ago. Someone showed like the end zone footage and it's of like carr drifting right in the pocket. There's like two players wide open in the end zone and he just doesn't see them. I just that i i get why the saints made that move because they felt like they didn't have any other options but the results are pretty much as expected
1: That was a lot milder than I thought it was going to be and that's fine. Colts uh, down by the Jaguars 22-37 The Panthers got off to a good start against the Dolphins. Dolphins doubled them up 42-21 Raiders-Patriots 21-17 How long has Belichick got left? The Lions doing a good job. Let's talk about the Lions for a minute. Go down to the Buccaneers. That was a potential trap game for them and they handled things pretty well Yep, everybody agrees that's good. Uh, (laughs) Uh, The Rams beating the Cardinals twenty six to nine. We've touched on the Eagles Jets. We've touched on the Giants Bills, and we also mentioned it was going to be a big game for the Cowboys and the Chargers. And somebody mentioned these new big stadiums don't always have great facilities. It was the Cowboys. Spanish language radio broadcasters who they had to host in the press box. So obviously you thought that the Spanish language announcers would tone things down because they were sitting amongst the scribes. No, they absolutely went for it. And I can tell you the next time the Cowboys play the Chargers, the Spanish radio announcers will not be in the press box because the press will revolt. Uh, these guys, if you've not seen on social media, these guys are an absolute ball playing there. The teams that were on the
3: by, the Steelers. Wait, 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 wait. don't get Past that, Paul. Don't skip past that. I've had to sit beside you in a press box before, I and I've had no no complaints whatsoever. Half the time, I don't watch the game anyway, so I use your commentary to work out what's happening. But it's it's sport. You don't get you don't get your knickers in a twist just because people are commentating beside you. They need to toughen up. Like this Spanish they, do, had to, they had to go somewhere. They had to commentate. Well, what's the big deal? Focus. Do your job. <laughs> I'm not sure you. I'm not having a go you, no, but I'm saying. That. No, no, no. It, it's
1: it's a lot of the the, the written press will not like having radio guys right next to them. Far too noisy and far too excitable. For...
3: There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. You actually pick up more with the guy beside you. Seriously, I wander off half the game, looking me up in the stand, and a goal goes in, <laughs> and I have to listen to the radio guy beside me, <laughs> me tell me what happened. <laughs>
1: As long as they get it right, oh, we shall precious, see.
3: They're precious in the press in America, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they did like, If you've not seen
1: it, uh, go on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called this week, and uh, check out the Spanish language guys. They they were up dancing, they were up, you know, yelling. They they were having a bit of fun.
3: That was like uh, you I'm... at any game. <laughs> right, Paul, sit down, put your shirt back on. <laughs>
1: Uh, that, that happened to me at Aberdeen St. John'son just a couple of weeks ago. You're absolutely right. Just, I said, just you had a, a
3: fantastic game when you're you're a fantastic game red uh, TV. No complaints. I'm not going to make out. You did a good job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to get out the NFL fork, uh, the NFL Scotland Smash fork, and say right, whose whose seasons are done? So, guys, I'm going to give you six teams, and I want you, if you can, to pick one of these teams and argue against me and tell me why they're not done, okay? So I'm going to go from left to right on my screen, so it'll be Gordon, Ian, and then Jamie. So Jamie, you might have the hardest job. So the six teams that the fork is being stuck into are the Chicago Bears, the New England Patriots, the Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers, Arizona Cardinals, and the New York Giants. Gordon, convince me that one of these should not be in there. I don't want to. I, d- I didn't ask if you wanted. I just thought it'd be fun to try. They're,
0: they're, they're all bad. Uh, I mean the the New England Patriots, Denver Broncos are in the AFC. They're they're not going to get to six wins now at this point, so it's not going to be them. Uh, the Bears are one and five, and Justin Fields is injured. Do you know what? I, he, here's the one I'll make the case for. The Cardinals have not been as bad as we expected, despite the fact they're one in five. And they might get their uh, favorite gaming quarterback back in about two to three weeks in Kyler Murray. So if there's a team that can sneak back into that seven seed race in the NFC, maybe it's the Cardinals. But realistically, all those teams are bad.
1: Yeah, reaching. Ian, make a case for one of these, one of the five remaining teams. I
3: think you'd have to make it for the Patriots and the fact that they've got talented players in defence. They've got invested heavily in the offensive line. They've got one of the greatest coaches of all time, if not the greatest coach of all time. They're coming in to start playing winter football, where the Patriots have kind of traditionally excelled, December's always been the month where the Patriots have played good football the only issue really is a quarterback where Matt Jones hasn't been what they've needed so far and I think they had Malik Cunningham activated um at the weekend and he's quite interesting because he's from Louisville, like Lamar, and he played a lot like Lamar did at Louisville as well. He's more of a a running quarterback than Matt Jones is, and sometimes you bring in a guy like that and it can just give that little bit of impetus in offense. They're not going to concede 30 points a game consistently, you don't think, with the kind of level of coaching they've got. So it's kind of strange that they're in that position. I mean, at this point, if they went with Malik Cunningham and ran, ran a
0: triple option offense it would likely put up more points than they do Mac Jones
1: throwing the ball. Interesting. Jamie, which of these teams would you care to defend? Your own Giants, the Bears, the Broncos or the Panthers?
2: You've backed me into a, into a dreadful, horrible, horrible <laughs> corner here, haven't you? Welcome um, back, Jamie. <laughs> um, the, the Bears being this bad is legitimately so funny after the off-season spree that they went on. Um, there's <laughs> so much talent, and it's gone so bad. And without Fields, I, uh, I just, I just can't go for them. Um, you, you're gonna get the predictable, but entirely um, based on nothing. New York Giants answer here because they, uh, they, they are so desperate to win. There's, there's, no way that they're going to like sit back at all. They're going to be getting ridden hard by Brian Dable here, and they have. A lot of talent still to come back on the the offensive line. I mean, the left tackle, the centre, basically the only two functioning parts of that offensive line. Um, Thomas and um, Schmitz are going to come back and surely make that better. Um, In a few weeks' time, we'll see Daniel Jones again. And actually, the the defence isn't bad. They're They're fine. They're young, they've got two rookies starting at at, at cornerback who are just going to be getting more and more solid as it goes on. So they're a team that I think can finish much better than they've started, but it couldn't be any worse, could it?
1: (laughs) So I don't think anybody's arguing against the 06 should be on our our fork list. Uh, Any other teams that you care to add on to this list early? My nomination are the 2-4 Titans. Is it a case for them or are they done?
0: I think with the Tannehill probably gonna miss some time, they're they're done. Uh, Do uh I, the Titans. I oh uh, the Colts the Colts at three and three are done. Richardson's out for the season. Like they're not they're not winning enough games with got, and that that's obviously the irony is that they beat the Ravens with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, but I, they're not winning enough games with Minshew at
2: quarterback. The, the the vikings are, aren't good but neither is their division which kind of keeps them on the cusp but um i think i think they're a very poor team this year and at uh, two and four and the 49ers coming up this weekend it's not going to look any better after that is it um we're, we're close to fork time there.
1: Yeah, I think the Vikings are The Saints, I think, are on that bubble as well. Falcons. I think the only reason that Saints, Falcons, and Bucks are not in this conversation is because they could all still win their division. It's not a great division. Um, and that's possibly the only reason that they're still around. Gents, let's have a look to the latest round of fixtures coming up the official week seven, which gets underway. Uh, with the Jags and Saints, which will have finished by the time uh, this podcast goes out, just the way things have gone this week. So, with the Jaguars moving to 5-2 and two and the Saints to 3-4, and four, the Saints are closer to getting forked. I'm not going to do two different uh, no, outcomes because no, no. that's how it's going to happen.
0: No, no. The one we don't know that Trevor Lawrence definitely plays tonight, the Saints are actually favoured. There's minus two, um, which suggests that Vegas doesn't think that, her, uh, that did Justin Herbert? Trevor Lawrence. No, Trevor Lawrence. No,
1: you said Trevor Lawrence. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And it suggests they don't think he plays. Uh, the Saints aren't... They're not... Like, as much as I made a joke about them earlier, they're not terrible. Like, if, if they need Derek Carr to make a play at the end of the game, stick the fork in them for this game, they're done. <laughs> but they can... They have enough players on defence to cause some problems. If Trevor Lawrence either doesn't play or is limited because of his injury... Then I think the Saints are right in this game.
3: Well, you've been receiving and there's receiving quite a, a few jabs from Gordon um tonight. Perhaps it's unwarranted, perhaps Gordon's being cruel, uh as as this is one. Do you wish to defend uh Derek Carr? Do you feel well, he's not... reasonable as
1: the Saints quarterback? I, I still think he's reasonable. But I I mean, Gordon, because I wrote this down, Derek Carr, every game is the same. That, that was Gordon's quote. Well, you know, I was just going to just erupt and go back on saying say, you've got bloody Lamar Jackson. Every game's the same with him. He's brilliant. He wins games. He throws touchdowns. He makes great runs. I thought it was quite a weak argument, so I decided not to go <laughs> with that one. So, hey, I know when I'm beaten. Um, I'm, I'm still on the Derek Carr bandwagon, but he does need to start producing um, before I have to go defend the indefensible once more. Uh, I've told you before, I'll tell you again, Dennis Allen doesn't win the division. He's out. Derek Carr will be in the building next year, I think, no matter what. And if it's with a new coach, I think that could be that could be a little bit different. Let's move on to the rudderless Ramar Jackson Ravens, who are sitting at four and two, having one in London. Uh, taking on the Lions, this is a game that I think you want to kick back, sit back and enjoy. Gordon, you look forward to seeing how your Ravens do in this one?
0: I've talked way too much shit about the Lions to sit back and enjoy this, <laughs> haven't I? <It's>,
1: uh... <laughs> I I so
0: I I've picked the Lions to win this, and I I think it's a really interesting game though because it's a really good litmus test for both teams. Uh the the Lions. The issue with the Lions. The issue with both these teams is when they get the ball into the red zone, they get so conservative and they just run the ball way more than anyone else in the NFL does, a, a bar a handful of teams. So. This could be one of these weird games where everyone thinks it's gonna be quite high scoring and then winds up being 21-18 something like that.
1: Oh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be I think it's a really, really interesting game. Let's just run we'll run the card as a Raiders, Bears could be the story, two backup quarterbacks, Justin Fields ninety nine point nine percent. Out Browns against the Colts. What is going on with Sean Watson? Um it looks like he's gonna be back this week. But, and is that a good thing given that they won last week with Walker?
0: He's uh a strange character, I think, is probably the, the most generous uh way of describing how this season's gone. Ignore everything that came before. Just the the stuff around he was medically cleared and then misses the next two games after he medically cleared is just a bit of a weird situation.
3: The Browns might have been actually hoping that when he punched the, or pushed the official, that he gets suspended uh, for doing so, because if he gets suspended for a missing, uh, I think if he gets a suspension of more than one game, it voids his contract and it gets the Browns completely out of all guarantees. Um, so usually you'd think, oh, I don't want my start quarterback to get suspended. But I think in the Browns instance, they were thinking, they were probably petitioning the NFL. Oh, I really pushed them hard. We need to stamp down on this. We've got to respect the officials. We reluctantly accept a well, four-game suspension. We'll take that. <laughs> uh,
1: the, the reverse psychology, perhaps some cash-changing hands. You never know. Bills Patriots should be the Bills. Commanders against the Giants. Jamie, if the comeback is going to start, that's when it's going to start on Sunday. I don't fancy our chances. Uh commanders have been uh, really good on the
2: pass. rush and they're gonna be up against. I literally don't know who in the offensive line we've been signing guys off of practice squads all over the league. Um uh yeah, uh I do not I d I d I don't I don't like it. I didn't think that the Giants would get anywhere near to Buffalo though, to be fair. So um if they can make a couple of plays on uh defence. Give ourselves a chance and maybe finally score a touchdown on offense for the first time since I think it's week three.
3: That would be Was- nice Washington. secondary well. secondary's not been good, Jamie. So you've got a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, will we
2: have time to throw? Um, and it's Tyrod Taylor as well. I do oh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it. I, I think I'm going to be saying that quite a lot this year. I'm not I'm not looking forward to this game.
1: It's a slightly strange game. I know that there's that it's, it's, we normally air on Fox. It's airing on CBS in the States. One of these slightly bizarre ones that nobody's quite sure why, but that will be on CBS. Normally Fox would carry both of those. Right, let's have a look coming further down our wonderful board. Falcons-Bucks. Again, in terms of the division, it's an important game. You know, you can. It's an important game. I don't think the Bucks can afford to lose two home games in a row. The Steelers against the Rams, three and two. Steelers at three and three. Rams. Sean McVeigh's wife is due a baby any day now. He says it will not arrive on Sunday with certainty. We shall see. Uh, Cardinals of the Seahawks look like it should be an easy one for the Seahawks. Packers Broncos normally a decent game. On well, both of losing records. So let's move into one that does a team with a losing record, going to visit one with a winning record. The two and three Chargers, Ian, going to the five and one Chiefs. But the Chargers have the talent to upset the Chiefs, who <sighs> we're going to have to endure all this Taylor Swift nonsense for another week as well. But well, she's still getting out of them. She's not done to them yet. Not you well, Now that Jamie's back in the country and not in France, there's every chance she will be over here soon. But, you
3: know, for now it's Travis Kelsey. I think um, the Chargers with Herbert are always going to be a team that are just flirting with they're going to be the team to beat next season. I think it's always going to be that case. I've said it before that Herbert's just the second coming of Philip Rivers and they're always going to be nine and eight. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I think he's a really talented quarterback, but it's just I don't think he's ever going to have what's needed around him, I don't think. And this is the same again. Um, and it doesn't help the fact that whenever Los Angeles play at home, it's a wee game for them because it's opposition fans that come in the stadium and take it over. They're, they're kind of a weird kind of anomaly in the NFL. Hey, talking of weird
1: anomalies, you being a Philadelphia, a man. Uh, so the Philadelphia Phillies are currently in the well, it's eventually the semifinals of the baseball. They had to make a certain number of tickets available to their opponent. Arizona Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Philly fans have bought up all the tickets and basically haven't been turning up because they're not allowed and they've been empty sections. They've been denying the Arizona Diamondbacks fans the chance to go to the games, which is a very Philly-like move. We applaud them. Well, Four to be months.
3: honest, it was it was Rangers and Celtic that started that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going there. Let's move swiftly on. Uh, possibly the I, game I, of the week. I love hang
0: on, just I love that the the red lines we have in this podcast is that Cameron can't talk about gambling in a way that mentions companies, and Paul can't talk about into
1: the old firm just in case it messes in not work wise. <laughs> Um, it, you know what I mean? I tell you what I think. Genuinely, I'm always happy to do. It's just the and Jamie will tell you it's the nonsense that comes back at you that is just, um, you know. I'm all for an intellectual argument, um, but unfortunately, on quite a lot of these issues, that is the last thing in the world, um, that you get. Dolphins, don't, eagles, go, looks looks a standout. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm looking for solidarity here, my friend. <laughs> solidarity. Uh, Dolphins five and one, eagles five and one. Uh, Sunday night football. Um certainly when I, they've had some l- less believe, than good games. I can't believe they've not flexed this out. Terrible game point. Who wants to watch uh, this? Who wants to watch <laughs> that, eh? And and the the Saints, well, the Saints are in prime time this week at least. Um can the Eagles stop the Dolphins, Ian?
3: Um, yes, but they'll try and do so by probably paying a lot of cover for maybe playing five linemen to try and stop Mostert because the Dolphins do run the ball a lot. And the pressure's on the offence to put up over 30 points if they want to win the game. Um, they're they're going to do their, their hardest to make sure Tariq Hill and Jalen Waddle don't get behind them. Um, If people are looking for wagers, then... Perhaps somebody like Mostert getting over 2.5 catches might be something that's a good kind of a bet because I think two is going to check down quite a lot. That's where it's it's going to be open. And the Dolphins are going to... The t- teams have, have set up against the Eagles to either heavily stop the pass or heavily stop the run, and they've been caught out on both. And I think teams favour forcing Hurts to throw it. So you're probably going to see very heavy boxes from the Dolphins against the Eagles. But the prob if when Hartz does decide he's going to throw it, I mean it's A.G. Brown that he he finds and A. G. Brown's on fire at the moment. Uh, Devontae Smith's off the boil. I think he might be a bit injured going into this game, but we've picked up Julio Jones this week, who um it's not really that bad a kind of pickup. If if you if you have to go out and get a receiver, then I, well, I suppose I'll go for him.
1: Gordon,
3: were you surprised that they went and got Julio Jones? Uh, Not like... Because if it's a kind
0: of bottom of the roster signing... The the more surprising thing for me is that Julio Jones really wants to sign anywhere at this point, knowing that he's not really going to be a featured touches guy. That being said, if you're going to sign somewhere and have a very limited role, you probably want to sign for someone like the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Chiefs were by... Okay, you might, over the course of the season, you might catch 10 to 15 passes, but if you stick around for the full season, you very well could end up with a Super Bowl ring.
3: One of the key players for the Eagles last season was a guy called Zach Pascal, who's wide receiver, and he was a key for the Eagles because he blocked, and he was so good at blocking, and I think that might be why Jones has been brought in partially, because Jones excels as a blocker at wide receiver.
1: Yeah, he's a big unit, you know, interesting to see. Is it fair to say that the Dolphins are getting all this sort of, you know, we, they're the sexy team of the NFL, where the Eagles are a little bit more stout and sturdy, and are they are they getting the love
3: they deserve, the Eagles? Um, I think possibly, yeah, I think they are. I think the Eagles are kind of viewed as one of the top echelon teams, but, I don't think maybe the concern's been raised with the Eagles with injuries that they've got because they've had a history in the past of being able to plug players in and replace. Plus, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl last season or yesterday's news. They, you always look for something new and sexy, and and that's the Dolphins because two has not suffered any sort of serious cranial trauma so far this season. Touch wood that he doesn't.
1: Yeah, it's been good to see him staying out of trouble and playing well and playing to his potential. Although there, are stories starting to come out in the states. Uh, what do the Dolphins do with Tua? You know, if their offense is that good, can they bring in somebody else at some point that will be a cheaper quarterback to run what is an efficient system, rather than end up having to perhaps overpay for Tua?
0: That's the that's, 49ers that's... problem as well, right? Like you. Yeah. So it's not it's not the same because Tua I think is a is a better quarterback than. Brock Purdy is, but part of the value in having him there just now is you can afford some more expensive pieces on offense. Like being able to go and trade for Tyree Kell is harder to do when you don't have um uh rookie quarterback deal. Um it's gonna be really interesting to see what both of those teams do when they have to pay up. Um it, in general, it's like a weird – the NFL's in a weird spot now whereby franchise quarterback contracts have gone up to the point whereby it is a little bit hard to justify like the, the overall money unless it is someone who you know is a top-eight quarterback in the NFL.
1: Yeah, just because you're the next to sign doesn't necessarily mean you should be getting more than the last guy. You, you, there's still going to be a value in there somewhere. Yeah.
0: but it, I mean, so we did see last year, like the Geno Smith contract and the Daniel Jones contract were bigger than previously expected, but a good distance off those top ones. And they were also really only two or three year deals that you can get out of. I I think that's absolutely a way that the 49ers can and well go with Purdy. The Dolphins probably won't have that luxury with Tua because he's put up, Big enough numbers that, like, if you like him enough, you're having to pay it. Same with Justin Herbert with the Chargers, right? Like, he hadn't he hadn't justified his contract that he's got at this point, probably, but he was the next man up, and you think he has that ability to be that be that guy. So the Dolphins probably are going to have to pay that much for two.
1: Jamie, with the the Brock Purdy thing. I mean, he's coming as a seventh round draft pick. I don't think he ever expected to be starting. He might just be grateful for that, that contract because, and I mean this, he might never have thought that was ever going to be on the cards, you know, to, to basically make enough money that he really shouldn't have to do anything else. Once he stops playing. I'm sure, I'm sure he
2: is grateful. He's grateful to have landed in a great team and, um, be coached very well. But, uh, I imagine he's got a, an agent who, um, is rather more wily than to just go in and say, you know what, lads, just grateful to be here. I'll just, I'll sign anything you put in front of me, and that's the thing. The agents are always looking to get the best deal because that means that they get the better players coming to sign with them along the way, and um, they're always looking to push it. They're always looking to push it, so there's there's not going to be um, um, there's not going to be any uh, easy sit down and quick handshake when it comes to to, to Brock.
1: Any in 49ers, Vikings. Vikings need this one if they're going to be a real contender. In three and four, they've got a wee chance. Two and five, I think our fork is over the, over them.
3: Yeah, I, I, they're the kind of opposite of what they were last season. Last season, they were squeaking out so many one score wins, and they're not a fit. I mean, Kirk Cousins is playing good football. It's, it's not an issue with him. Danielle Hunter's playing really well at defensive end. Um. Jefferson going down injured was a big kind of worry because the offense just flows through them, but they're just not getting the luck they were that they were getting last season. Um, and you, you're right. I don't. Would you look at the statistics? Teams that are two and five, you're probably looking at like less than ten percent and get anywhere close to the playoffs. So that's our review and preview
1: for week seven. Gents, just before I ask you if you've got any other business that you want to chuck in, flag football coming to the Olympics, Los Angeles, 2028. I think that's a bit weird, to be honest with you. I I tell you,
0: I tell you what, though. Go on, then. The NFL on offense put out Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Travis Kelsey, that and then put how many more other players? Pick an offensive lineman, Jason Kelsey, both Kelsey brothers. There, you telling me that they would really like to line up against Team GB when it's Cameron at nose tackle, Paul at <laughs> linebacker, Ian at edge defender, me and Jamie at cornerback, Charles Patterson. Say, I, th- I think we've got a chance there.
1: <laughs> I, li- I, like, I like the idea. I, 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 ju- I just do I love um, the idea though of the NFL like actually having
0: superstars there. Like I, I think it would be quite funny. It would also be quite funny though because flag football is a little bit of a different sport and like we've seen their basketball team go to the Olympics with all the stars in the world and then mess up. Like the idea of the NFL putting out a super team and losing to, you know, Germany. Who will put together a pretty solid team themselves would be quite funny.
3: I think I think this is this is kind of like highlights the fact that I mean everybody knows that people say that Gordon's everything that's wrong with the gentrification of the West End of Glasgow <laughs> and Gordon's everything that's wrong with introducing NFL players into flag football. Um the Americans currently have a flag football squad. They competed at the international games. They're not players names, but they are names. Guys like Amir Brown, Jeffrey Bryan, James Cohoon. They've trained... All all, all, all of those people with the utmost respect to them because I know
0: nothing about flag football. I would have to say I did not know.
3: Yeah, Well, that's the thing. It's not high profile, but these are players who have trained all their life. They've qualified for the American team that went to tournaments and they've they've won in the the past and all of a sudden, just because it's going to be in the Olympics, they've immediately to be discarded for multi-millionaire players on a whim decide they would like a holiday and the chance of a nice shiny gold medal from the Olympics. People who have worked all their lives to just be completely discarded. The same thing's going to happen in the UK. The the head coach for uh, GB is a guy called uh, Alan Young. Uh, His nickname is Youngie. Um, I like to think people sat for a long time thinking up how just genius that nickname was. But <laughs> creative, literally creative. every every
0: coach in the United Kingdom whose surname is Young is Youngy. That's yeah.
3: tremendous. So he's um he he's coach. He's got a, a squad that he, he picks from. He's been, he's worked with them for a few years, and once there's any sort of hint that there could be. Uh, flag football, the Olympics, you're going to get washed up rugby players saying that they want to play, former Olympic sprinters saying that they want to play, and you're going to get the guys that have always done it are just going to be discarded. Um, and I think that's unfair. But if America think that they're going to turn up and just win it, I mean, you think, of course, they've, they've turned up and they've, they've won it all the time. It's an American game. No. Uh, winners have been Austria, Austria, France, Canada. Um, then the States won it, then Austria again. And in the final in 2021, they actually only won by three points against Mexico. And you look at the women's game, it's even more against um, American success. Sweden, Mexico, France, Mexico, Canada, Mexico, Canada, Panama. The US have only won it the last two times. So it's not a foregone conclusion that they will definitely win flag football because it's a completely different discipline. But here's the thing, right? Say, say for example, Deshaun Watson. He's going to be the the player selected to be the quarterback for the U.S. Olympic flag football team. And in the first game, as he trots out to play against Liechtenstein, his Achilles tendon blows and he never plays football again. Who pays his $240 million guaranteed contract? Uh, See, you're the Kansas City Chiefs, and you think you're definitely going to be in the Super Bowl this season. But um, Mahomes decides he's going to play in the flag football Olympics and blows out his knee and is not available for the entire season and that's at the Chiefs goal 3-14 because he decided he was going to go away and play There is no way that active NFL players will play in the Olympics at flag football. Probably also because it's going to get held over when training camp is. It's usually late July into August. I don't know the exact dates, but that's probably when it's going to be. So there's no way they will allow star players to go. You may get players who used to be named. So Gronkowski said he might be interested in doing it. But he's over the hill compared to the guys that are playing. These are fit. Athletes that are playing flag football at that level, we would not get. And you were making the joke that we'd be out there playing. We would not get anywhere near close to them. You'd be shocked at how talented the guys are. I, I'm and girls just, are sorry.
0: I, I'm just telling you, like I I know from my catch up speed at, at seven aside. I I just I timed myself in Indianapolis and I ran like a five point three eight forty. I just don't see Tyreek Hill keeping up with me.
3: Gordon, you've already revealed you've got a <laughs> a a, a, a port of injury history with bruised testicles. There's no way you will be selected. <laughs> uh, let-
1: Really hard to go anywhere from there, but if you are interested, there are tryouts for Dallas, Nashville, Boston and Las Vegas, who are apparently the four teams for the new AFFL coming to the four cities in 2024 as the Americans plot their way to To, Olympic gold in 2028.
3: Maybe the the great storyline in Olympic history was in 1984 basketball, where the States lost to the Soviet Union a very disputed double penalty last shot or whatever, and that's what instigated the Dream Team in 92. But was it 88 and so they lost? But It was, was 84 or 88, but they lost. It's the biggest shock in American sports. This would be a bigger shock if America did not win the flag football gold medal at the Los Angeles Olympics. It would be absolutely hilarious. It would actually be, you would actually force the NFL to disband in America and they would have to set up in the UK. All franchises would have to move over. That's how bad it would be for them. They would never live it down.
1: Well, we shall wait to see how their league decides to take off. Gents, any other business, anything else catching your eye in the world of the NFL? Uh, The
0: Caleb Williams' stories are Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's literally against the NFL rules, so the idea that he is going to demand ownership from the team he goes to (laughs) is silly, uh, and I would bet a significant amount of money that you can file it under the uh, didn't happen folder. However, everyone seems to be thinking, oh, the Bears are in a lot of trouble if um, Caleb Williams says, I don't want to play for you. If the Bears wind up picking, just watching Paul yawn there, pull in what well, well, I can only describe as a face, uh, as I have seen in the Lonely Islands music video for the song Jizz in My Pants. Um,
1: anyway, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Well, uh, see, you can't even yawn now. It's not a reflection on what the, you were saying, so, by the way. So, really
0: uh, Caleb Williams, if he doesn't want to go for the Bears, and the Bears, as they currently have just now, have the number one and two overall picks in the draft. It's not a bad situation for the Bears, because you take Caleb Williams at one, you hold him ransom to whoever wants to trade up to get him, and then you pick the other quarterback at number two. You take Drake May at number two or whoever you want to take there, trade him to Arizona for four twelve and next year's first as it would be. Right, if I if I was the Bears, I would I would actually love a scenario whereby I
1: don't. I
0: don't have to take Caleb Williams and instead I can actually just build a hall.
1: Is Caleb Williams as good as he's been suggested? Because what I've been reading is that he doesn't perform against some of the better defences or is this just people just trying to put a knock on him because he's, he's up there as projected number one.
0: I, I, I think this season he's trying a little bit too hard to be Patrick Mahomes. So he's kind of forcing some stuff that he doesn't need to.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's just there always seems to be to to be a start. Somebody gets knocked that little bit, but it is fairly risky. Would it not, though, put you off drafting him if if any of this proves to be in any way true that that he's looking for equity? I mean, like you, I, I think there's a there's a smell of bullshit about the story. But if there's any hint of truth in it, you'd be wanting to avoid the guy. Surely, you'd want just not to
3: bother with him. You can understand the concept of him wanting equity, having a stake, being part of something, buying in. But I think it's just kind of smoke signals going up to show there's there's, there's something that, that's going on behind the scenes with this guy. It's either his agent, it's his family, it's his ego. When Kyler Mulley came out from Oklahoma, where Caelan Williams was at Oklahoma before he transferred, everybody thought unequivocally first round pick, number one pick in the draft, but in hindsight, would you pick him number one in the draft now after everything that's gone on with Kyler Murray behind the scenes? The guys that are successful in the NFL, the guys that come in, work hard, they they put team first, they never put the rest of the team on, throw them under the bus, it's always their fault and they admit it. Kirk, we just spoke about Kirk Cousins, he didn't, didn't have the greatest arm talent or leg talent coming out of Michigan State, but he worked so hard um, and that's why it's a success, Caleb Williams doesn't... There's nothing that indicates he's going to be the model face of your franchise. It indicates you're going to be bringing in a lot of trouble, a lot of baggage if you if you take him in. And teams are seriously going to start looking at taking Drake May over him. He may be adversely hurting his drag st- draft stock by coming out with his various demands before he's ever drafted. I, I just don't think it is him that's
0: coming out with it, though. I think it's these... I, this is this is my old man yells at cloud rant of the day. The worst thing that's happened with social media recently is Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, is that you now get paid for impressions if you sign up and you and you have enough impressions, and you actually get paid like a decent chunk. We on our main account at PFF and our other couple of branded accounts. Like, we're pulling in a, a kind of healthy four-figure number each month just through, um, like, tweeting stuff out and, uh, and you know, people reacting to them. Like, this is now leading to people posting things for clickbait to get people annoyed. And then you'll notice, so your Dove Kleimans, your Ari Mirovs, go to their Twitter feeds and look at how many times they quote-tweet one of their own tweets with a new tweet and what they're doing there is they're giving that first tweet more impressions by doing that because they have half a million followers they they quote tweet this and it's leading to some of these faceless football rumor accounts tweeting just literal bullshit so that they can get you know 8000 people quote tweeting it shouting at it saying it's fake 2000 people taking it seriously people replying all that stuff like when you put out a tweet like that it's, for an account that size, it's probably making them
1: a $1,000. Yep, people will fall for that kind of thing, and they appear to be doing just that. That is it for the NFL Scotland podcast. This is Stramash. We hope you've enjoyed episode 245. Enjoy your football at the weekend. Great to see Jamie back. Let's hope Giants can turn the corner. Ian, the game against the Dolphins will be a cracker. And Gordon, I'm sorry, you're just stuck with Lamar Jackson and the dull way he plays quarterback. You'll just have to live with that. But for Jamie, for Ian, for Gordon and myself, thanks for listening. Bye for now.